Kansas City's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concourse ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news, the greatest views, and the biggest names in rolling thunder right, right in your ears. ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, a freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, and 30-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road Road Muscle Muscle Radio is on the air. We're back on the road with Road Muscle Radio, Brett Hatfield. Howdy, howdy. Catfish Groves. And another week has passed. Another weekend of glorious failure. Oh, uh, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> we have a, a, a. I don't think you're a failure. We have a, well, this uh, the venture was a failure. Doug Tabbitt is coming up. This guy is so fun uh, with SwitchCars.com, a self-starting exotic car sales guy, and who also is just a car lover in general. We're going to talk with Zor. Tire services. Are you out and about? You got a great car and you blew a tire. You need help. You really want Joe Schmo Toe to come out and jack that thing up and put a tire on it? Or would you like to have somebody who really knows what they're doing? We're going to talk with them. You know, uh, either's good, anything in a pinch, but Zor is a go around and get to you tire service. Pretty cool. And of course, uh, oh, Brad, the I, continuing saga. I tried. I tried hard. I drove a long way. I know you did. And I thought I vetted this guy pretty good. Went to look. Uh, here's the story. Went to look at a 1965 Mercury Breezeway. And the thing was looking so sweet. On, uh, online, in the pictures. Oh, yeah, on pictures. And video that, clips. And we talked. Yeah, there was video clips of it running. Of the it. owner was a preacher. Yeah. And he was an Arkansas preacher, so he knows all about busting the gates of hell wide open. And I thought, you know, this is this is looking really good. And he even I was going to come down a couple of weekends ago uh, because but no, 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 no. One no. of the big important questions that I had asked him was, you know, can I drive it back? I don't have a trailer, and my truck is not big enough to tow back one of these behemoths. So can I can I drive it back? And you know what he did. He said, you know what? I'm going to have my mechanic look at it. I don't want you driving this on the road. Now, this sounds like something another guy's done recently. Uh, Well, that guy didn't have a mechanic look at it. No, that was just, yeah, sure, it's ready. And it's even prettier in person than in the pictures. This guy didn't say anything about that. But he did. He took it to his mechanic and left it with him for a few days to to go through it and make sure it was ready for a 300-some-odd-mile road trip. And... Yeah. And so I get down there and... uh, Wow, it's running kind of rough. And uh, I, my son uh, drove me down there because he was going to drive his vehicle back. And, you know, it had been a nice road trip, et cetera. We take it for a test drive. And it's a little on the chuggy side. It's got a 390 in it. And it's not like, you know, sitting there loose. It's It, it ran great, that video. Yeah. We took we take it out to a little parking lot down the road a ways. We, you know, open the doors, go through the trunk, kind of look it all over so that we can do it just, you know, on our own. And when we pop the hood, you got the little cap that's in your uh, valve cover uh, in these older cars. That's, yeah, the oil vent cap. Yeah. And then there's the uh, breather tube that goes off the other valve cover. And both of those have nice little white curls of smoke coming out of it. <laughs> I'm like, that that just that doesn't seem right. Now, so the- we we go to drive it back, and I pull – 
do a pretty tight corner in the parking lot to get back around to the road and it dies in the cornering. And I'm like, well, that's not good. And we get it back, pull it in, pop the, uh, or pop the hood. And I do the dipstick thing and it's about, I don't know, three quarts low. <laughs> and what is left on there is molasses. Tar. Yeah, it's oh, it is pitch black as night, and my attitude's starting right about oh, then. Oh man! And I'm like, really? So I ended up talking to the guy. Uh, my son went back to the truck and, and looked. Had his mechanic look at it. Yeah, and what it turned out was, that, well, you know, I don't think he really went through it as much as I. He was supposed to blah blah. No but kidding, like, really? Not at all. Yeah, and did did any of this actually? And I just by that time I was so disappointed. And what church do you preach in? Yeah, the church of what's happening now. <laughs> so uh, uh, that was the end of that, and I drove home in defeat. And the next morning, I was pretty sour about it, but because uh, you know that was a lot of money and gas to go waste. Yeah, but there are a couple upsides to this. Well, one, with each one of these, you're learning. You know what? There, there are things that I will not do. I will. I'm not going to ask. Can I drive? Do you think I can drive it home? I, I, honest to God, that's a stupid question. Of course you can. You can drive it home. You, you can attempt to do it. whatever you want. Yeah, you'll get it home eventually if you believe in tow trucks and time. Uh, also, you know, don't believe that they had their mechanic look at it. No, oh, they thanks. didn't. Let, let me see. Well, you know what? If you really want to believe it, then ask for the, uh, the receipts. Yeah. Show me the, show yeah. me the invoice. And do it before you go to look at the darned car. Uh, it's always worse than the pictures. Never better. Even when they say it's better in person, that's a lie. Uh, and they may think it. I'm just bitter. So I'm going to call it a lie. So, <laughs> and you know, look, there's stuff they didn't tell you about no matter what. Uh, if they have a video of it driving and running, you know what? Hey, that doesn't matter because what matters is how it's driving and running the day you're there. Yep. Not the video. Well, and the video wasn't old, but, but damn. But again, there are upsides here. You're learning yeah. with every one of these things that we go look at. Uh, another upside, this one didn't try to kill you with oncoming traffic. <laughs> It was still a breezeway. And we've had that happen before. <laughs> Only this wasn't an easeway. Uh, and the other thing is, while you're hunting, your piggy bank grows. Yeah. You're changing what you're looking at a little bit. Because if you go back, you and I, the stuff we were oh, looking yeah, at a few months back was, yeah. was not even this caliber. And furthermore, there's more of these things out there. Yeah. And you know what? There's, there's somebody who's going to have something they want to let go of and they want to let it go to a good person who's actually going to love it. Yeah. And they might do it for a little bit less. I'm just going to have to wait until the stars well, you're, align. You're going to, f- and I'm going to have to get some more money. <laughs> you're going to find it. But like I said, time is on your side here. You're racking up more, ch- more ching in your piggy bank as you go. And the cars you're looking at are getting to be better cars. I remember yeah. some of the heaps we looked at over the summer. <laughs> they were scary I, from first blush. They just needed love. Lots oh. and lots and lots of love. Spelled M-O-N-E-Y. Yes, that's exactly right. So uh, yeah, I, I am kind of changing how I look at we're, it. We're yeah. getting there, and eventually you're going to find the magnificent Mopar tuna boat that absolutely <laughs> turns your head. You know, something that comes with an anchor and a pair of oars. That's all I'm looking for. That's and you're going to be thrilled to death <laughs> to take this, show it to your wife, see her disapproving nod, and then realize you have no place to keep it. Well, <laughs> that is, you know, it, that's kind of one of the interesting things because you got to kind of think about uh, the vehicle, where you're going to store it. 
Uh, well, what are you going to do with this? And do you want it to be like the super shiny, oh my God, or is it going to be something that you just really enjoy driving or is it in, somewhere in between, yada, yada? Well, and here's the last unspoken upside that that we just haven't addressed is thank God you got a co-host who has a warehouse <laughs> and a little extra space in it and he can't stand not to be polishing something in his off hours. So uh, even if uh, you weren't planning on making it shiny, there's a chance it's going to wind up being that way. You know, I think I need to put that in my rules about, because uh, my last one, one is if you're going to go far for a great price, you've can be assured you could drive it home, go prepared with a trailer. Yeah. Because, you yeah. know, the car, that car, as irked off as I am at, at my friend, the Arkansas preacher, that car was worth what he had brought it down to. It yeah. was worth it, but I couldn't get it home, you know, so uh, better planning and you know, just if they say you can, you could drive it home. Hey, that great. That means it drives and stops and everything and take a damn trailer anyway. I promise you, brother, oh, we will we'll get you there. We'll get Hallelujah. you there. <laughs> So there you have it. That was kind of our my my weekend in a nutshell. Things will get better. And you know how you do it? You talk to a car guy who sells exotics. Doug Tabbitt, coming up next on Road Muscle Radio. back with more road muscle radio you know mark uh i think every kid who is into cars even a little bit someday dreams of owning exotic cars and cool oh, cars yeah. i mean it w- i don't know any of us who didn't have that dream at some time now you know i i may uh, talk about being the bottom feeder yada yada and i do love my big fat american classics but i would just about kill for a tr6 well, and, and there's a couple, there's some Mercedes, especially when you start going way back Mercedes that I'm like, oh my God, if from the thirties, just give, give them all to me. I want everything Italian. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, see, there's a, you know, I still have that Porsche. Is it a Pantera scr- Italian? Kind no? of, kind of, <laughs> sort of. They got the plastic from Italy. Well, no, the, it was, it's a metal body. If you've never oh. worked on a, a Pantera uh, if you look at them cross-eyed, they rust because they didn't they didn't uh, uh, galvanize those or undercoat them in any way, shape, or form. But it's Italian coachwork by Ghia, and then Italian interior that, I, after having taken one apart, looks like it was done third shift on a Friday after a couple bottles of wine. And <laughs> then was. and Linguini, baby Ford 351 Cleveland German ZF transaxle. And of all things, Lucas Electrics. Now, remember oh. remember the motto of Lucas Electrics, be home before dark. <laughs> but along those lines, uh, every one of us wanted exotic cars. Yep. We always wanted cool stuff. Our guest tonight, Doug Tabbitt of Switch Cars, he went out and did it. And not only did he go out and get an exotic car, he went out and started an exotic car dealership. Oh, dude. Yeah. Doug, welcome to Road Muscle Radio. And uh, hi, Mark. Hi, Brett. Hi, Doug. You, you got to explain to us how you go from being born in a, in a small coastal town in Maine to owning an exotic car dealership. As some people say about other things, I, I was born with it. So <laughs> I had it in my blood from a young age, and it actually didn't come from my dad's side. He was into boats 
and building houses, and uh, sailboats were too slow for me, but my mother was into cars, um, and it's, it's funny you mentioned the TR6. That was, uh, that was her high school car. No kidding. And oh, I love those. It was one of the first unique cars I drove. Um, I would befriend people with cool cars in Maine, which was a very select few. And I got to know this guy who had a TR6, and we went to a, a show up at the, um, I think it was the Owl's Head Transportation Museum, and he let me drive on the way there, and it oh, was wow. the coolest experience. Well, so with those... I'm with you on the TR6s. I've got a soft spot there. Now, did the huge tires, uh, and I'm going to take us totally on a side thing here, but the huge tires and wheels on those TR6s, did they make the ride just a little bit better? I've ridden in an MG, uh, like a really small one. My cousin had one, and it was kind of like riding with your butt on the ground. You know, at, at 16 or 17 or however old I was, it was the best car I'd ever driven. So. <laughs> okay, could, fair enough. <laughs> I, I got to drive a TR6 for a summer. Uh, my dad convinced his buddy that I could sell his car for him. He lied. And <laughs> so I told him, no, I really have to have the car in order to sell to it. To understand the car. Oh, <laughs> and his buddy, to I get even with me, did. I every day, but I'm, I'm not lying. <laughs> his buddy, I, I think this is how you karmically get even with me, didn't bother to tell me that the brake master cylinder just puked out all the fluid it had. So you got about three, four good stops out of it before you were done. Before it got real exciting. Yeah, so you're yeah. riding around, you got a couple b- bottles of brake fluid with you all the time, and you're counting the number of stops you got until things go south. <laughs> That's why you just pull up the top right. and use it as an air dam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Okay, so so you, here you are, and you're in Maine, and you've, you've, your mom has helped to instill this love of cool cars into you. How did you, how did you go from that? You know, you're a good Maine boy and you're not out, you know, grabbing lobsters. How do you get into the vehicles? No, I never got into uh, the lobster fishing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get up at 4 a.m. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to be a car designer in the worst way. Um, and uh, I went to school for engineering, thinking that was the path. Uh, I, I originally wanted to go to Art Center College of Design, but I wasn't a good enough artist. So I went went the engineering route. And I got about two days into a 9 a.m. physics lab for three hours, you know, and I just said, I hate this. If this is what yeah. being a car designer is, um, I don't want to do it and all respect to the guys that, that do it. I just, I'm too ADD for that. And I think the other thing that, that got me is I realized I was too stupid. You know, I, <laughs> I was a valedictorian of my class in, in Maine. You know, I was a big fish in a small pond and I get to case Western and I'm, I'm the idiot. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my way through programming class to do a tic-tac-toe game and, and everybody else is putting, <laughs> <laughs> graphics on the screen and this and that. I'm just like, you know, in, in unless you're at the top of your game, you're not going to get to do cool things in that world. You know, yeah. I've read all Corvettes are read the story about the designer of the C5. And I, I imagine being that guy. Uh, and I quickly realized that I, I'm not going to be that guy. I would be the paper cruncher, the, the guy in an upstairs cubicle designing a, a, a pinion gear. And I just said, I, I can't do that. So that's a, that's all the words of St. Harry, the dirty, a man's got to know his limitations. 
I'm right there with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mine was right. a 56 yeah, Plymouth. I learned about now my gearing. That thing, you know, if you think you can or you think you can either way, you're right. Yeah. Bull crap. You know, I, <laughs> I thought I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, you notice I'm not in ballet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and and I thank you for that. Yeah, it's not pretty. So you decide you tried to try to become a car designer, and that dream didn't quite work out. Where'd you go from there? Right. Um. So I kind of had a, a crisis moment. I went home for winter break. Um, tried to get a job like at the local Mercedes dealer. Um, selling cars, and the guy liked me, but he goes, well, maybe you want to start with something like Saturns. I'm like, no, I don't want to sell Saturns. Nobody wants Saturns. I want to sell Mercedes. And uh, he probably knew that they only sold eight Mercedes a year in Maine, so he's probably trying to spare me from a life of poverty as a car yeah, sales. He wanted you to stuff. eat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I switched to business, and that I found too easy. So about a third of the way through my accounting class, I realized that they were teaching us single line accounting, which was balancing your checkbook. So I sat there and I figured out how to calculate how much I was paying per credit hour to learn how to my, balance my checkbook. <laughs> and I quit the next week. Oh, the irony. <laughs> Wait a second. I got a business degree. That's, that's kind of painful. <laughs> and yet still I'm true. <laughs> Okay, so we, we've hit the existential crisis. We've looked at all these career choices. How did we get to the exotic cars? We, we got the uprights, not engineering and not business. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I, business was good, but not at case. It's just too dang expensive. So, um, yeah, go to a state school or something. So, Cousin Eddie's um, School of Business. <laughs> I, I met somebody at there who had a motorcycle parts business. And I thought he was the king of the world. And, you know, I, I hitched my horse to his chariot or chariot to his horse or whatever the saying is. And um, and invested a lot of money that I didn't have and um, thought that that was going to be the ticket. And that was a, it was a good learning experience. Um, Uh-oh. It's, uh, <laughs> he is no longer a friend and the business never, I don't think he ever wanted it to be legitimate. Um, he just wanted to get investors and, and make it look good. And the crazy thing is, is it could have been a really big business. Yeah. Um, we sold a lot of parts. Um, but anyway, so that failed, that went up in flames. So I had another existential crisis because <laughs> now I was, you know, a failure and broke and in debt to my family. So <laughs> no. to get a paycheck to pay rent. I was looking at all sorts of jobs and I ended up at a Land Rover dealership. And I thought that, like, that was my dream job. I'm like, this is amazing. I get to sell cool cars. And I get to wear khakis and, you know, cargo pants and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. uh, White starch, you know, typical salesman attire. Um, (laughs) You're quite the jungle adventurer. Uh, you are. Right, right. Selling the Land Rovers. Yeah. Loaded up. The Land Rover way, you know. (laughs) Five months there. And I realized that I loved what I was doing, but I couldn't stand the politics. And then a month later, I was the guy doing all the internet stuff. I had set up their website. I had done all of that. I had bought domain names that helped market for them. And um, I did an internet deal, and he complained because he didn't have access to those, and they made internet deals house deals. And I go, wait a minute. So I set up his email address to be a team player, and now – 
you're taking money away from me. So they didn't understand specialization of labor. I offered uh, the owner of the dealership, I said, let me take all the internet leads. I'll never talk to a, a floor up, and he can have all the floor ups because that's his forte. Now, like, no, 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 we want you to work as a team. I was like, well, Andrew Carnegie didn't think that way, but okay, sure. So I quit there and started my own thing. Still broke. <laughs> <laughs> but loving it. See, it's a long road. The yellow brick road, you don't skip down. You run, you stumble, you skin your knees, you get back up because Oz is yep. way down there. I'm starting to figure there. out there are no rich car guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but You're we sure look pretty. <laughs> it's not. No, I just thought it was me. I just thought it was me. <laughs> There's a term for it. It's not that we're not rich. We're just car poor. Nice. Car poor. I'm writing that down. Car Poor. Yeah, go ahead and write that down, and I'll show you what it looks like. Come on by the warehouse. We're going to find out how Doug started flipping cars and making things work, even if it doesn't put a lot in his pocket. It puts a lot of joy in his driveway. We'll talk about that next on Road Muscle Radio. It's Road Muscle Radio, Kansas City's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anybody who loves rocking the driver's seat. We talk about it all from Barn Fresh to Concord Ready. Road Muscle Radio, Park's latest news, greatest views, biggest names, Rolling Thunder right in your ears. You've got Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist. You are a senior auction analyst. Yes, I is. All around car guy, and me, I'm just a dude who talks. So, <laughs> and thank have, God for it. <laughs> we, have, we have a great guest with us, Doug Tabbitt. So, Doug. You strike out on your own, and what makes you think, okay, I'm going to go sell cars, I'm going to do it on my own, and I'm going to sell exotics? I knew, here I am admitting that I'm really just not very good at anything, but I I knew (laughs) that I wasn't a good salesman, or maybe I figured this out later, but I had an inkling, and I thought, I can't sell boring cars because I can't talk somebody into something that sucks. So I have to do cars that I already have a natural passion about. And before you you got to a dealership, you decided, well, maybe I could flip cars. Now, yeah. How did you figure that out? Because I've I've heard you explain well, it before, and I was sitting there going, "That's so simple. How did he do that?" <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> entrepreneurship was always in my blood. Uh, so I had the drive to figure things out on my own. And I guess like any entrepreneur, I got lucky. Um, <laughs> but coming off of the, the Land Rover dealership, I basically just called everybody I knew and some of my clients and said, okay, I'm in the car business now. Not really knowing what that meant, but just, hey, you want me to find you a car, whatever, I'll do it. And I had been reading DuPont Registry since I was 10. So I had a directory in my head of every single exotic car dealer on the planet. So that helped. But really what got me off the ground is I had a good understanding of internet marketing from the previous business. And I used that because in 2005, when I started, dealers had no idea what internet marketing even was. So 
I basically used Google AdWords and marketed to prime areas like L.A. and Miami, and the new Range Rover Sport was coming out, and I still had access to the Land Rover system, so I would nab allocations from the Midwest, and I <laughs> basically charge guys a fee to find them, you know, to find them an allocation at a dealer that, that couldn't sell theirs. And that was before the dealers cared about regions or zones or whatever. They just want to sell a stinking car. Uh, so I sold a ton of the new supercharged Rover Sports, especially the Vesuvius Orange ones, and that actually got me off the ground and gave me some momentum. And from there, it's taken many, many different iterations because that's business. You adapt with what the market wants. But that was what really got me off on strong footing. And looking back, I'm like, man, that was really genius for barely 20 years old. And thankfully, I have the, the Ed Bolian, sounds like an adult before their 16 voice. And that <laughs> helps me out. We just had Ed on a couple weeks ago. I can imagine that works well. It did. And even one of my customers who I I sold a car, located him a car through another dealer, he showed up and he emailed me his feedback on the dealer and he goes, wow, this young, you know, 20-something kid who delivered me the car wasn't very knowledgeable and just downgrading working with young people, how they shouldn't be in the exotic car business kind of thing, but gave glowing reviews about me. And I go, well, (laughs) (laughs) so tell us why manufacturers hate the idea of you flipping cars. I don't know. (laughs) It's like they're, they're socialists almost. They, I I had a a rep for Porsche call me because he was trying to trip me up you know, pretend to be a customer and get me to admit that I was flipping cars. And I was like, there's nothing to admit. I am. I'm buying cars from your dealers at Sticker. They're happy about it. Who cares? Um, But he told me unequivocally that nobody should sell Porsches except Porsche dealers. And he meant like old Porsches, new Porsches, whatever. He just, they have this view that they own the clients, and they should own every single part of the process. And Ferrari's done brilliant with that, with the, the Class E certification and, you know, even things like restricting the um, vehicle release letters when you want to send a car to Canada. You know, you can't get one because they want everything to go through their dealers and they want to control the supply. But it's, it's stupid because you just send the supply where the demand is and that's that. But they can't because they have all these politics with their dealers and they have to satisfy them. And there's all these internal gains, you know, right back to politics just at a higher level. So they have to keep everybody happy. And that's why they don't like rogue people just doing what customers actually want. So what's the single toughest thing about starting your own car dealership? I don't know how to answer that because... I feel like it just happened, and if I had to go do it again, I wouldn't have the faintest idea how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everything. I mean, it's impossible to get insurance. It's impossible to get financing. You know, it's it's a very saturated market. There's a lot of competition, and there's a lot of dirty competition. So, yeah, 
I, I don't know. I, I guess my answer would be everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about this is that you went from, in our last segment, you were uh, talking about all this stuff. Oh, God, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And look at this. You've got a dealership. You you made it happen. And through the uh, through the power of, I'm not sure, but I'll get her done, uh, you were able to do this. And now, switchcars.com. I'm on your website right now, and uh, like I'm looking at this uh, amazing 2009 Audi R8. And the, mm-hmm. you, you've got a Bentley Continental there, Ferraris, 66 Ford Mustang. Are these really cool cars that you're like, yeah, I like that one? Or are you, are you looking on a, a different level of investment value and business acumen? Or do these things just tickle your fancy and they're also valuable? I, I think it's, it's more the former. Um, I, I say that we, we buy and sell cars we like, and that's always been true. Um, if I think a car is awesome, I'm going to buy it and, and sell it because I think they're awesome. They're, I mean, there's a reason that I got so heavily into the Porsche GT3s and RSs. To this day, I still think they're one of the best driver's cars ever built by anybody. So with some exceptions, really, I buy cars that interest me and that are, are good uh, unequivocally. Uh, every now and then, I get to the privilege of selling a car on somebody's behalf that I don't love. And it's always an uphill battle because I'm, I have a hard time talking somebody into a car that I wouldn't actually ever buy. But for every car like that, there's somebody who just has to have it. I mean, I I sold a Rolls Royce Silver Spur one time and I mean one time. (laughs) And the guy who bought it was the only guy ever to buy one of those cars. He came out, he was talking about how when he was a kid, he got brochures from the Rolls Royce dealer. And that set him off of just like the Silver Spur, the early 90s one was his unicorn. And he spent hours going over this car, came back three different times, flashlights, this and that. I was just like, man, you better buy this car because if you don't, nobody else ever will. True. We're speaking to Doug Tabbitt of Switch Cars. You can find him at switchcars.com. Doug, we've made you sound like a very upstanding human being. Now I'm going to take that all away. <laughs> Tell us about racing Fantastic. rental cars with Matt Farah. That was fun. That was very <laughs> childish. I'd love to do it again. <laughs> we love Matt. We had him on the show a while back, and he He's is a riot. A, he is a fun guy. Racing rental cars with Matt Farah. How does that come about? And I'm guessing if you've got walkaway insurance on one of those, nobody comes near you on a track. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, when you have the insurance, you just feel empowerment to do whatever <laughs> comes into your brain. And he, he beat me so badly at the pickup, tra- uh, pickup truck race the year before, which wasn't fair because I had a dually and a power stroke and a stick shift and worst track car ever. But anyway, I wanted revenge. <laughs> So we both had rental cars. We both had the full insurance and it was kind of a loosey goosey track day because I think they're sharing the track with pimp by ride or whatever. So I'm like, all right, rematch, let's go. So we did. And it was hilarious fun, you know, ripping the e-brake around corners. Um, (laughs) At the end of the, at the end of the race, I came into pits and I, did a you know 360 spin and i mean we were just having hilarious fun <laughs> give us a really quick synopsis of 24 hours of lemons that is the most serious joke racing ever um everybody is out there to have fun and the costumes are ridiculous and the cars are 
ridiculous, but man, there is a lot of cheaty parts and a lot of good uh, racers and a lot of terrible racers too. Um, but a lot of good racers and a lot of very competitive guys. So uh, if ever anyone has a chance to do it, if you, you got a four wheel crap box and you want to go fast, find a team, buy a team, you know, rope your family in. It is an incredible experience. Coming from that, how in the world did you become the Mexican Stig? <laughs> that started a long time ago, and it really just started with a sombrero given to me by uh, a Mexican friend in Las Vegas. <laughs> and it just evolved from there. And I'm not sure how it actually officially happened, but it just kind of stuck along the way. So um, I like costumes. I like alter egos. I like anything that's not serious, so it just stuck, and I embraced it, and it uh, it apparently has become a thing. We've been speaking with Doug Tabbitt of Switch Cars. You can find him at switchcars.com. Doug, thank you for being on the show. We'll have to have you back when we can get more into the weeds about things. Uh, Absolutely. We, we really appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Brett. It's been a real pleasure. Up next, when you're driving around town in your collectible, your classic, and you got a flat tire, or you just need a whole new set of radials, white walls, whatever you want, here's a place where you can call it in and they come to you. Stick around to find out about Zor.com on Road Muscle Radio. We're back with Road Muscle Radio, and Brett, you know you know what it's like to be out there driving along, and all of a sudden, <laughs> out goes a tire. And in classic cars, and especially exotic cars, please correct me if I'm wrong, but like these really super high-end exotic cars, do they have a big spare hanging on underneath that? Uh... Typically not, no. You're no. lucky if you get a can of Fix-A-Flat. <laughs> So if you're you're stuck out there, you've got your your baby and your baby's it's broke its foot. Mm -hmm. There's a great place that you can call, and it's called Zor Zor Mobile Tire Service Z O H R. Uh, it's at Zor.com. So I would like to welcome here on Road Muscle Radio Kamal Chun, who is founder and CEO of Zor.com. Welcome to Road Muscle Radio. Thanks for having me, guys. The story that I was told, Andrew, by the way, was such a great rep for you guys. And he related the story of what brought you to think, you know what, I need to do this. I need to put in all this work and start up an entire company that goes out and, and helps people with flat tires. You know, many, many years before we even started to think about Zor or to even start building it. And, you know, this was back when I was in college. My brother was in high school. We used to actually flip cars on the side for fun um, just to make a little bit of cash and to kind of also follow our passion for cars. Right. Um, and that's kind of when we discovered, you know, like whenever we bought a car, it typically needed some sort of repair. Um, most likely, you know, <laughs> needed that to get a tire plugged or oh, a tire replaced. And, you, you know, like no matter which shop we went to, whether that was in Kansas City or some other place, uh, you know, far away where we were buying the car, that experience was always broken. Um, in fact, we've never had a great tire changing experience in the, in our past. And that just kind of you know, got our heads thinking like, you know, there had to be a better way. Um, and we just, we just knew we could do it better than anybody else could. 
Um, and, you know, I come from a, a strong engineering background. My brother has a strong business background. We grew up in a small business, you know, running a, a restaurant with our parents. Um, and, you know, that's where customer service became such an important part of, um, you know, what we are building. So when the time was right, we just kind of put all of our efforts into building this company. And, uh, you know, we, we actually launched the service out of our driveway, um, oh, out wow. of our home garage. And um, from there, you know, we went and serviced car enthusiasts like yourself um, and slowly just started to gain traction day in and day out. So. Tell us about the vans that go out. You've got these huge vans. What all is it that you can do for somebody who's having, you know, a, a, a tire or wheel issue? Um, yeah, so we can do just about anything related to the tire and wheel assembly um, and also the TPMS sensor assembly, if that's applicable. Um, and we do work on just about any different type of vehicle, um, whether that's a Honda Accord or that's, you know, a high-end Porsche or other luxury exotic um, but we offer a full range of tire related services. So, um, whether you need a complete new set of tires on your vehicle, or you simply need a flat tire fixed with a plug, um, you know, we can handle it all and anything in between. That's kind of amazing. So I, I could have my car sit, I, I could drive it to work. And while I'm at work, you could come do the tires replace them all especially like here in the slippery weather i could finally put some stupid <laughs> snow tires on the back of my truck and just have you guys do it and then go out and it's done and i'm ready to roll absolutely yeah it's really that easy i mean the way we kind of describe it is you can get tires installed with a push of a button it's really that easy it takes maybe a few minutes for you to select your tires online um, and submit a request um, and complete your order uh, and then we take care of everything else that happens after the fact. We bring the tires out, we install them, we take the old ones away. It's like magic. That's kind of the way our customers describe it. And you've got all the popular brands. I'm looking at your brochure here, Michelin, Continental, Sumitomo, uh, Pirelli, Ooh, Hankook, mm -hmm. BF Goodrich. I, this isn't like some boutique tire where you have like two tires and that's all you get. Uh, you guys are a full-service tire shop in a large really cool van. Yep. You, you described it perfectly. We're brand agnostic. So we're not really, you know, pushing one brand over the other. Uh, we will sell our consumers, our customers, uh, what they want. Um, you know, whether they, we, we won't incline them to purchase one or the other. Um, we will first evaluate what type of tires are the best fit for them and their budget. And then we'll make the recommendations um, based on what their requirements are. Now, as you've gone and been doing this here for uh, quite a little while now, what's the coolest car that you've ever had to go out and put a tire on? Um, there's been quite a few cool cars, actually. Um, but I think most recently we worked on um, a couple of different Lamborghinis, which we had never touched a Lamborghini before. I would be um, terrified to touch a Lamborghini. Two and a half years. Yeah, so we worked on a Huracan here recently and also mm. uh, one of my childhood favorites, the Diablo. Um, so, you know, we've worked on a whole range of other exotics, um, including, you know, quite a variety of different Ferraris, um, you know, even Rolls Royces and high-end Porsches. Um, but I would say the Lamborghini was definitely uh, kind of a nerve-wracking job because, you know, we'd never touched one before. We had to actually read the manual before um, starting to jack it up. And, you know, it, it was quite an experience for sure. That is kind of scary. So uh, yeah. you've had some very cool cars. What's been the roughest one? What has been the one that's like, oh, my God, that was a nightmare? 
Um, so like early on when we were starting the business, and so this was something so new and fresh, um, we actually had quite a few occurrences where um, things just didn't go as planned or they took way longer than expected. Um, but I think one instance um, was working on the, the Z06 Corvette wheels. Um, that actually is a situation that, you know, one tire can take you like two, three hours to change. Um, and we weren't aware of this. We didn't even know that GM actually had a service bulletin on this specific uh, tire and wheel combination. Um, so this was actually like an engineering problem. Um, and uh, we weren't aware of it until we actually got into the midst of it. So th- that was that was definitely the roughest experience. We actually had to take all the wheels off the car, bring them back, spend like another six hours on them uh, and, you know, get them changed. Um, and what, it, what what we thought would be, you know, like a simple hour and a half, two hour job ended up taking like a total of like seven hours, seven, eight hours. Now, was that because um, of the uh, tire pressure sensor inside or was there another problem? Uh, there's a problem with the wheel design um, on that Z06 um, and that prevents the the run flat tires that the car comes with uh, from seating up properly. Um, and um, it's, it's a very common issue. You can find it all over the forums. Uh, people complain about it all the time because shops actually charge you by the hour uh, when they change those tires. Um, and that was something <laughs> that we weren't also aware of. Um, and th- there's a reason why it takes six hours and a shop charges you like $100 an hour. So you just the labor portion of getting those tires installed is like six $700. And it's the cost of all those tools thrown across the room. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, those tires will break your tools. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is a zor.com, zohr.com that uh, you can get hold of. And also, what's your phone number there? Um, yeah, so if you're in the Kansas City area, you can call or text us at 816-800-9175. Um, again, we're very responsive. If you don't reach us by phone, you can just shoot us a quick text. Uh, one of our service representatives on the back end, um, you know, will be able to gladly help you. So. Zor Mobile Tire Service. And thank you so much, Kamal Chun. You are the founder, CEO, and very knowledgeable uh, man about town and man about tires. Thank you so much for being here on Road Muscle Radio. Thanks again. Well, that wraps us up. I'm Catfish Groves along with Brett Hatfield. Be sure to check us out at roadmuscleradio.com for all of our previous shows, for new shows, for information, blogs, etc., etc. It's all right there, roadmuscleradio.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Do stop by. Let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week right here on the road with Road Muscle Radio. Road Muscle Radio.